Hey everybody, it's Aldo Gandhi, and I just want to let you know really quickly that our swag shop is reopened. DeepDishTees.com is where you go, and that's tees with T-E-E-S. Clever name, guys. They're the new home of our merchandise. You can get t-shirts, you can get caps, you can get coffee mugs, you can get hoodies, you can get all sorts of good stuff, and you'll help out the bar room with the purchase. So head over to DeepDishTees.com. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline, its luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstalk. Hello and welcome to episode number 26 of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi. And I'm Joey Parisi. And Joseph? We have a very special guest to welcome on today, so we're just going to get it off right from the beginning of the show. We're not going to handle any of our mumbo jumbo that we normally start off the show with. <laughs> you mean we're not <laughs> debating about we're not debating about malls or anything today? No, we're not debating about mall stores or uh, gas station candy right now. That, that's for another time. We're actually going to welcome on somebody that I'm a huge fan of. I listen to him on the radio all the time. I read pretty much every word he ever writes on ESPN.com. And of course, that's Jesse Rogers. He covers the Cubs and the White Sox. Jesse, how are we doing? Doing great. Great to be with you guys. I mean, baseball season's over, but the conversation never stops, right? It literally never ends, especially here. Me and Joey will be yapping about baseball literally until pitchers and catchers report, and then it'll just be a whole new cycle again. What are we at, 101 days already? 101 oh, days don't do that to me. <laughs> don't do that to me. I just, got back, I just got back from the World Series yesterday, and I, I was on the road so long in October covering the playoffs that I started out, it was decent weather. And then by the end of the ALCS in Boston, it was freezing. I had to buy this Boston hat. Can you see it? <laughs> this know, is what yeah, I bought I in Boston to wear at Fenway Park uh, when it got cold. So um, it's a long baseball season. Um, you know, the Braves were, you know, the best team in October, even if they weren't during the regular season. And uh, it was fun to fun to see them ho- hoist the trophy. It reminds you that uh, just getting in is, is all that it takes. Um, unfortunately for the White Sox, they – that's all they did. Just got in, and they were out pretty quickly. So, uh, but that was one step further than the, the Cubs took, of course. Uh, so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting off season. Obviously, um, one team's rebuilding; the other team is trying to put some finishing touches on, and we'll see what, who who does a better job in the winter. Yeah, absolutely. So, before we get into the Chicago teams, I, I did want to ask you what stood out to you in the World Series between the Astros and the Braves. You were there; you, you got to see everything firsthand. There were you know, big stories like Jorge Soler being the MVP, all that kind of stuff. What was your biggest takeaway from the World Series? Well, there's two, and, and, and I'll relate it to, to, the, to the Chicago teams a little bit, but it, it really applies to everywhere. And that first, of course, is that pitching has changed, you know, um, starting pitching it, as necessary as it is. You can win a championship even when your best starter breaks his leg in game one of the World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you have a bullpen, you can go far. It's just a matter of, you know, how, how do these guys like respond in the coming years? Some of these bullpen arms, Tyler Matzik of the Braves. So 
winning a championship on the mound, it, it, it's become a sort of a different way than, than in the past, though I still think teams would love to have the stud starters because that's the easier way to do it. Piecing it together is the harder way. The other thing, and this kind of relates to the White Sox, something I've been on for over a year, there's so much um, uh, sort of balance in those championship type of lineups. The Astros certainly had it, and the, Bra- the, the Astros had it all season. The Braves found it as they made those trades in July. You got to have, especially those left-handed slugging bats that you can stick in there against the good right-handed pitching. But you need righties too, obviously. You need balance. You can't just win, especially if you're one-sided from the right side. I guess if you had, you know, nine Anthony Rizzo's from the left side, you might win. But, you know, that's that's not realistic either. So you need balance. The Braves, and especially I think the Astros had it, even though Houston went a little cold there. So those are a couple things. You know, just the pitching has changed so much, though I think the easier route is still to have the stud starters and the balance in your lineup. It's important the White Sox find that. They didn't have enough good lefties. Yeah, so would you say that that's what ultimately went wrong with the Chicago White Sox? Or in your opinion, what went wrong facing the Houston Astros this year? That's one thing. I mean, the other obvious thing is their starting pitching broke down. I mean, it was so good for so long, but we know Rodon wasn't the same pitcher. Um, Lance Lynn wasn't the same pitcher. Uh, And, you know, the bullpen was good, but they were led by their starters. And unlike the Braves, the Braves are kind of led by their bullpen. So when the starters kind of faltered, the, bra- the, the bullpen was ready to pick, pick up the slack. But, but you know, uh, I, I think the balance is important for the White Sox. Brent Strom, the Houston Astros pitching coach, said it during the ALDS. He said this is an easier lineup to prepare for than and he was using the Rays as an example. And he said the, the, the righties, there's just, there's just too many righties. And the stats, I thought, were so telling. I think if Rick Hahn looks at any stat, this is a great one. The fact that the White Sox right-handed hitters, they hit 295 against the Astros right-handed pitching. That's great. 295 is a good average, but they also slugged 295. And that, again, is where the lefties come in. You can get the slug from the left side much more than the right side against good right-handed pitching. So um, double up on your starting pitching as much as you can if you're Rick Hahn. You know, if you think you have enough, go out and get another one. And then balance the lineup out. They, I thought the the best day of Rick Hahn's 2021 year was the day he tra- traded for Lance Lynn. The worst day was the day he signed Adam Eaton. Did not do a good job uh, signing a, a you know a left-hander to play right field, and it come ba- it came back to cost them. I think. Yeah, sure. So my next question was going to be your expectations for the White Sox during the offseason. Now, do you think Rick Hahn is going to try and right that wrong of Adam Eaton and maybe bring in a good offensive right fielder or maybe somebody that can play the DH in that role as a lefty or, you know, another big starter. There are some good ones out there available, obviously working on the bullpen, you know, based on things you're hearing conversations you've had. What do well, you I was going to say, I was gonna say this. I, I don't have a lot of inside information right now. The Sox have kept things close to the vest. They have not really spoken publicly um, from a management standpoint since they were eliminated. Now, they will shortly, and next week I'm going to the general manager's meetings. So in the coming days and week, we're going to know a lot more about the White Sox plan. Having said that, I'd be shocked if he doesn't address those things. First of all, all contenders will relook at their starting pitching and try to fortify. That's what you do. Um, you know, And they're losing Rodon probably, so they, they need to bring one or two more in anyway. But I'd be really surprised if he doesn't, you know, take a hard look at that offense and say, "Okay, I've got to balance this thing out." Now I feel like 
He was a little stubborn last offseason and didn't do that because, remember, a year ago in 2020, they were fantastic against um, left-handed pitching, right? But they were just average against the righties. And how do you get better against righties? You bring in better left-handed hitting. So now that's two years in a row, they've somewhat been burned by that imbalance. So, yes, I'd be very surprised if he doesn't go ahead and do that. But I don't have any inside information that he will. It's just, it just right there for the take. I mean, Jock Peterson is available again. Kyle Schwarber is available again. Um, you know, they probably should have gone after Michael Brantley. They didn't do that. So it, it's staring them in the face. DH or right field, go get a left-handed bat. Sure. Yeah. So, Jesse, I want to know your thoughts on what you think about Tony La Russa, his first year with the White Sox. You know, what did you what did you make of that? Well, I think that he said it right. He walked into a good situation and he didn't mess it up. You know, they had a couple of rocky moments early, but because that division is so bad, it allowed him to sort of find his feet again. Um, he certainly didn't mess anything up. When you win the division by 13 games, the manager must be doing something right, even if that means he's doing nothing. And I don't think he, he did a lot. Um, I do think they need to shore up some things. I think, you know, Grandel is a great offensive player, but there's some issues there defensively. Now, can Tony La Russa help, help that out? I don't know. Uh, can they move Grandel into DH and bring in a good defensive catcher? I don't know. Can they move Grandel? Like, there's some things that I'm not sure Tony La Russa can do. Um, I do think that that there's another level for him to even get to, I, I, I think. I think, you know, being a little bit more open to everything and, and understanding, you know, what everyone brings to the table – um, I think is important for Tony in his second year here. I think he was just kind of feeling his way out. Uh, the division's going to get better. Detroit's going to be better. Um, Kansas City's going to be better. So I think he'll have a harder job this year than he had in 21. It was pretty easy. Um, I think he navigated those injuries really well. Uh, but I don't I don't think there's much to judge him on. You know, it's such a good team in such a bad division. It's not like they lost the playoffs because of him. But they do need to shore up some things defensively, especially, and that's where a manager can have an impact. So um, I think it will be a more telling year for him this, this second year round because the division won't be as easy. Yeah, that's a good point. I remember agreeing with a lot of your takes pre-trade deadline about the Cubs and what you thought they were going to do. And so I think I know your answer to this, but I don't know if the audience may or may not. Um, were you surprised with the way they handled the trade deadline, the Cubs, always trading away all three of them, Bryant, Rizzo, and Baez, obviously? Only slightly. I mean, I definitely wasn't surprised they unloaded. I, they set themselves up for this well before the season started. Um, I, I harped on this, and you probably heard me. They had 13 or 14 guys that were going to be free agents at the end of the year. That's what made 21 different than any year before that. When you have that many free agents, you better win it all or you better unload because you can't just let it go and let guys walk without getting something in return. I mean, you can, but you're setting yourself back, setting yourself back for years to come. So they ended up doing the right thing. I thought they might just end up signing one of them, you know, just sort of a, a corner piece for the future. You know, um, I think it's different now in, at Wrigley Field. You better win or you better have a few stars. Traditionally, one or the others happen, mostly stars rather than winning until recently. And so I don't think fans are going to come if you don't have a star or two and, you, and you're not winning. Um, and so, you know, middle of July, sure, you'll draw, but not the two and a half to three million they want. Uh, so I, I think they need to really um, go out in free agency, sign a couple core guys if they can and build around something. Right. You, you have to have to build. You have to have somebody to build around. It can't just be all young guys. Um, either way, it's going to be a few years, but I, I wasn't shocked. They unloaded, they set themselves up to do exactly what they did. 
Yeah, and right after they unloaded, we saw some kind of outbreaks from Frank Schwindel, Patrick Wisdom. Those guys were outstanding. Uh, what do you kind of think is next for those guys? Are they something to build around? Do you see them moving those guys? Yeah, I, I will tell you, I've talked to a lot of scouts that watch them, and you don't want to take away from anything they did, but they, they watched with a very skeptical eye. 30-year-old players breaking out after your season's kind of lost. You don't really have to play a team game. The other team doesn't even know these players. The scouting isn't the same. I'm not taking anything away from them. But if Swindell does it again or Wisdom does it again, then, you're, then you'll be really, really impressed. Um, I, I think they are, they are players on this team unless they find someone better. I guess that's what I would say. Like Swindell will be your opening day first baseman unless the Cubs go out and re-sign Rizzo or re-sign somebody a little bit more or, or sign someone a little bit more established. Um, but I have no problem with Schwind giving Swindell another chance. Look, they really have, to me, seven open positions. Uh, I mean, six if Madrigal has second base and, and Wilson Contreras is your catcher. I mean, Nico Horner's no sure thing at short. You, I mean, the outfield's wide open in my mind. You might say, okay, well, Hap's there, but he's not like a five-year all-star. So um, if you need a left fielder and you might need a starting right fielder, well, then you may as well give Swindell and Wisdom a chance because you're not going to get seven all-stars, you know, in free agency or via trade. So my feeling is, okay, well, you found a couple guys on the corners that might be serviceable. Go out and get a left fielder or go out, go out and get a right fielder. Maybe you sign one of these big-name shortstops, though I don't think they will. Maybe you move Nico Horner to, to out to the outfield. So, you know, it's not like um, they have a lot of, you know, great parts all over the field. So I would give Swindell and Wisdom that chance and fill in some holes that, you know, you had without, you know, much going at the end of the season there, especially in the outfield. Yeah, especially if they're able to do again next year what they did this year toward the end of this year. So, yeah, for sure. I mean, I take nothing away from them. I'm just telling you what scouts say. 30 yeah, year olds yeah. usually don't turn into Hall of Fame players. So you got to be careful. You don't invest huge in wisdom or, or uh, Schwindel. Maybe invest a little bit, but not like five years or anything like that. And you don't have to. Their, their team, you know, sort of property for the next few years, arbitration, all that stuff. So there's no reason to panic and sign them. And if you can move them for something special, you would do that. You brought up Wilson Contreras. Um, he obviously only has one year left on his deal. He's like a year away from being in the same position that Bryant, Rizzo, Baez were in last season. Do you have a prediction or maybe even an opinion on what you think the Cubs should do with him going forward? Like, do you move him to a different position? Do you have him catch all next season? I thought they were going to kind of shut him down from catching for the rest of the season and kind of maybe DH him, play first base, left field, whatever. But they, he played catcher for most of the season. Um, do you have a prediction with that going forward? If I had, if you asked me today and you're trying to, you know, pin me down, I, I think he's going to be moved this off season. I think he's going to be traded. I think the timing doesn't fit for when he's at his peak. You know, he's got one year left uh, before free agency. If you sign him to five year deal and you're not good for two or three years, I mean, he could help lead to your next, you know, uh, contending team. But his peak years might be past him by the time you contend again. I just think that um, the timing might not not shore up. Um, I can't say for sure he'll be traded, but I think they're going to listen. I think they're going to listen and go into the season with him um, unsigned in terms of a long-term deal. And I don't think they'd have a problem with that. You can always trade him in July or if, you know, you sort of see things coming together and he truly is this leader and this guy that could maybe DH some, maybe you do sign him. So there, I don't think you have to be in a rush with Wilson Contreras, but I have a feeling he could be moved this off season. Yeah, for sure. So, I wanted to ask you about David Ross. We asked about Tony La Russa. It kind of seems like they're in different spots. Obviously, the rosters are obviously wildly different. 
Um, do you have an evaluation on him, how he's done the first two years with the Cubs? It's been a little untraditional start to a you know, managerial career due to the circumstances with the pandemic and all that and roster changes right in the middle of his second season. Um, and then maybe another prediction, just not managerial related to the Cubs. Um, I think that the jury is probably still out a little bit on Ross, but I've seen nothing to say that he can't manage. I think he's exactly what they expected. He's been a solid, steady hand. He doesn't let the players get away with anything. Um, did he bring out the best in the Rizzo, Bises, and, and Bryant's? Well, we know that group kind of, you know, I don't know what you want to call it, faltered towards the end of their run here. And, you know, it, it turned out the managerial change didn't change anything. You know, going from Madden to Ross didn't change anything within that offense. They needed to change the personnel. So I, I think he's fine. Um, do I know that? Do I know, do I know that for sure? No, I think you've got to watch him a little bit longer with a new team here, a new young group, but I don't see, I haven't seen anything to, to dissuade me from thinking he's a, he's a decent manager um, that can do the job longer term, you know? So that's one thing. Uh, prediction wise, I don't think they're going to spend a lot of money this off season. I mean, they're, 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 they're talking a little bit of a good game in terms of free agency, but they always qualify it with, we want to make smart decisions you know, look, if they were going to go big, they could say that, hey, we're thinking about going big. Fans would get excited. But I um, but I don't think they are. I think they're going to take this incremental, see what the new CBA brings them, see what these all these young players turn out to be in the next year or so, and, and then head into the free agent market, maybe when they're a little bit closer to contending. If they really wanted to you know, move quickly to rebuilding this team, they would sign one of these available shortstops. But the one feeling I got being on the road on the playoffs, talking to people at the World Series is they weren't necessarily going to be the big free agent spenders this year. Again. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, in my opinion, this whole baseball season was so much fun. There was a lot of fun moments. What was your favorite moment of this year's season? It could be in Chicago, could be uh, in the entire MLB. What was your favorite moment? I, you know, I would, I'll go to the White Sox. I, I would say Rodon's no hitter. You know, it was pretty damn cool early on in the season. His first half in general to see a guy, you love these stories. He, any team could have signed him. He was non-tender to a contract. They signed him for $3 million, which is pennies in this game when you're a guy that has a two ERA. And he's been hurt his whole career. You didn't expect anything. He wasn't even necessarily going to be in the rotation for sure. He wins the spot, looks great in spring, and then has that great run and the no-hitter. So I, I would say – that was probably a Chicago highlight for sure. I mean, I, I like what the Braves did. Brian Snitker's a, a, an Illinois guy, and he's a lifer and an old school guy, and he wins the World Series. So just you know, going off of recently, um, I, I love what he did. And obviously to see what Otani did, again, sort of coming out of nowhere. I mean, they, this was supposed to be an experiment, hitting and pitching, and he turns out to be an all-star, an MVP, doing both. Um, people think he should make 50 million because he's a $25 million hitter and a $25 million pitcher. So um, certainly locally, what the White Sox did early on, uh, how they navigated the injuries and Rodon to me being sort of the guy that came out of nowhere to have that season that he had. Um, and then Otani and, and seeing Braves Snitker win it with the Braves just, you know, sort of rolling the dice in July. I thought those were all cool storylines. Yeah, year. and I'm glad you brought up Otani because that that was one of my favorite things to watch all season long. Him pitching and then you know 
hitting his home runs the way he did. And then even uh, the White Sox playing over in Iowa like that. Uh, what, what about that moment? That was just. Yeah, you know, I think I probably would have said that if I was there. I didn't get to go. I'll, I'll probably go next year. But certainly watching on TV, I think Fox TV did a great job of capturing the moments. But yes, that was that was definitely a highlight. As yeah. Well. Are you looking forward to the MLB kind of continuing the Field of Dreams thing, especially next year with the Cubs and Reds? Yeah, I am because anything to liven things up in the second half of the season as football starts up, as the dog days, you know, get going with baseball, anything like that. August, I think there's a reason they do it. They did it in August, you know, well after the trade deadline, before the September push, they need something to to liven things up. I think that's also why you go to Europe maybe in July, another time of year before the All-Star break, that things kind of slow down a little bit. You want to liven things up. So yes, I think it was the, the they they did it for a purpose in August. They will try to find more things like that to do at times when baseball kind of is dragging on a little bit. Yeah, you're yeah, spot on sure. with that because Vinny and I were just talking about how our favorite months. There's really not much going on in August, and especially in the baseball seasons. And but he actually mentioned that Field of Dreams game being the highlight of our August. So you're spot yeah. on with that. Yeah, I think yeah, that's why they do that. I think the season's too long in general. And uh, they probably I think everybody thinks that, but no one's willing to give up the money to make a change um, because I just I feel like it'd be a whole different feel to the game over time. If, if playoffs were in September World Series, maybe at the end of September, you know, football's not deep into its season yet. I think it'd have more national audience if the pennant races were in August, you know, and the playoffs were in September. But that's my own feeling. You know, a lot of people disagree. It's it's a fair thought, though, because. You know, someone like me who loves all four sports, like all the big four in the United States, August out of the all the 12 months are by far the most boring month. And the, the Field of Dreams game has a real chance to spice that up. So I agree with you. But before we, before we let you go, I wanted to ask if you have optimism or pessimism on the upcoming collective bargaining, bargaining agreement. Initial pessimism. Things aren't advancing right now and they've got just weeks left. Um, they, uh, they're hammering out some smaller things, but the big financial questions are still sort of, um, they haven't really been addressed. They've been sort of talking past each other. Uh, I think there will be a lockout December 1st. That doesn't mean a lot. Um, players can't use team facilities. Okay. Big deal. But I think, I think I, I, I have optimism for, um, spring training happening on time and games happening then. So I think December and January could be a little interesting, but I, I, I do think they'll hammer something out. There's a reason they, that the new deal expires December 1st and not February 1st. It gives both sides um, time to bring sort of a sense of urgency to the negotiations. And I know the league believes the only way to do that would be to lock out the players, even though that's a bad headline. It, it, it spurs on negotiations. So, again, pessimism for early December, but optimism you know, later on in the offseason that they'll get this done. Would that mean the winter meetings are canceled or at least postponed? Probably, probably, okay. probably canceled. I don't think they postpone and, you know, it, it's tough to do that. Hotel rooms, all that stuff. A um, couple people I've talked to, but it's the uh, large minority think they could still do the winter meetings even with a lockout. I don't think it'll happen. So most people don't think the winter meetings are going to happen. But I wouldn't say it's 100% slam dunk. I'd say it's more like 80-20 against. Sure. Well, Jesse... Joey and I can't thank you enough for coming on. We had a blast. I love talking baseball with someone of your knowledge and acumen. So thank you so much again. We had a great time. My pleasure. Anytime. Call anytime, you guys. Awesome. Yeah, thank you thank so you. much, everybody. Jesse Rogers of ESPN. Make sure you follow him at Jesse Rogers ESPN. And yeah, 
Thank you, Jesse. Take care, guys. Take Take care. See you later. Uh, That was a great interview. Yes, it was. Jesse Rogers obviously knows his baseball, especially in this town. Like, not much gets past him in terms of Chicago Cubs, Chicago White Sox. So, what'd you think? Yeah, it was awesome. uh, Clearly, um, baseball insider. I mean, imagine being able to go to those general manager meetings. (laughs) I'd cut off my pinky. Yeah, that's... uh... So he definitely, you know, speak out of fact, which is which is great. So great to have that and great for him to come on our show and talk with us. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I would I would kill to go to one of those GM <laughs> meetings. I mean, I would have just too much fun. Um, the World Series is over. The Atlanta Braves are your 2021 World Series champions. First time since 1995. What do you think? I mean, what a story. You you really can't like I said last week, I, you know, I expected I said Braves and actually seven. They won in six. Um, I was rooting for the Braves. I thought the Braves were going to win. Uh, and honestly, like now that it's all said and done, you just kind of like this happens every time a team wins. You just reflect and, and see how did they get here? And honestly, their story is just unreal. It's a point three percent chance to win the World Series back way back when they were in fourth place or whatever. For them to lose, arguably their best, the, one of the best players in the entire MLB, goes down with a torn ACL, and this team just never quits. They they do some big uh, trade deadline moves, and you know, going into the playoffs, were one of the most dangerous teams. They had the one of the most dangerous lineups. Uh, their pitching was on point. It sucked to see Charlie Morton go down in Game One with that broken leg, but I mean, the team never quit. The team just kept it going, and uh, Jorge Soler started off the World Series. And ended it pretty much in the same fashion. So, I mean, it's just a great story. And that's all you really want at the end of these things when you don't have a dog in the fight. It's just a great story. And that's what we got with the Atlanta Braves winning the World Series. Sure. You brought up Jorge Soler. He is the World Series MVP of 2021. He batted 300 with three home runs, six RBIs, three walks. He was their best player. And the former Chicago Cub is now a two-time World Series champion. Um, I'm happy for the guy. You know, he got traded to the Braves this season. We're going to get to that in a minute um, with their adversity in the rebuilt outfield. Um, he was dominant. He got to the plate and he was a threat. First, and first at, first at bat of the World Series, third pitch. <laughs> yep. And he was the first player in MLB history to lead off a World Series with a home run. And not a game, the entire the, series. Yeah. There have been other games let off. I'm talking the first at bat of the entire World Series. Zero outs recorded in the World Series home run. I heard the Astros fan threw the ball back too. And what a complete! Oh, he's you know in the moment you don't realize it, but you got to. I how? I'm a diehard White Sox fan. I love that team more than I love myself. And if a team hit a home run in the World Series against them, I would put that shit in my pocket right now. I wouldn't either, but I guarantee, even if you have someone who always throws it back, they're gonna they don't think in that moment like, hey, is this this is the first home run to ever open up a world series that's what i'm saying he fucked up as yeah like, like uh what's his name a historic baseball like that is the first time it's ever been done <laughs> like mike evans giving away tom brady's 600th career yeah it's like a milestone ball like it, yeah. <laughs> this is a milestone for the entire mlb in the past however many hundred plus years this thing has been going yeah absolutely um it's it was a great world series. Um, the Atlanta Braves, they dealt with some adversity. You talked about their 0.3% chance or was it 3%? 0.3% chance for them to win the world series. Yeah. You have like a better chance of winning the Powerball. No, I'm kidding. It's way lower than that, but 
you know, dealing with the adversity that they have, Ronald Acuna Jr. You brought up as a top five player. I mean, who's better than Ronald Acuna Jr.? Trout. You can, you can literally only make an argument. I wouldn't even say Trout right now. Trout needs to come back healthy and prove it to me again. Otani. That's just my opinion. I would say maybe. Uh, I don't know. I might take. I'm. Oh, no, I don't know. I would take Otani. I no, might take I Ronald take. Bat over. No. But uh, maybe uh, the arguments that I think of are Tatis, uh, Vlad Guerrero. I got one more for you that I would take over Acuna. And then I think you nailed it. Um, Juan Soto. Juan Soto of the Washington Nationals. That's a good yeah. But are those five, you know, he's probably like the fifth or sixth best player in the MLB. And you just, you lose him. And he's the best player in their division, maybe. I know Harper had like a really good year. Nobody's arguing with that. But I mean, Atlanta, 88 and 73, that is the worst record of any team that made the postseason. And they dominated a bad division, which is one of the critiques that the White Sox had this year before playing the Houston Astros. And I got to tell you, the Astros were a better team. There's no doubt about it. They won fair and square. They dominated the White Sox, basically. But in no way, shape, or form is the division a reason why. They lost to a better team in the Astros, a hotter team in the Astros. The division means jack shit. You win it, you get in the dance, you have a chance to win the World Series. I will hear nothing of it. The Braves, not only did they not sulk in their sorrows when Ronald Acuna Jr. went down, they rebuilt their entire outfield making trades for Jorge Soler and Jock Peterson. Like They they basically brought in four really good outfielders. So mm-hmm. Eddie Rosario. Eddie Rosario. It's all mm-hmm. about getting hot. That's it. That's all you ever need to do. You need to make the postseason. The Braves, I also have this stat. They were eight and two in their last ten heading into the postseason. Got to be hot going in. Playoffs playing well. How many games did they lose in the playoffs? Did they beat the Brewers in four? They lost one game at home. I know that it was to the Houston Astros. The their last game at home. Yeah, yeah. So and their home record in the regular season wasn't that good. They were like five games over five hundred. That's a good record, but it's not like, you know, a lot of the times the teams that are the top in their division have like a dominating home record and then like a slightly above average record on the road. No, the Braves were just slightly above average on the road and at home. And I kind of like what Jesse said. It's some teams have stars. Some teams play baseball. And the Braves are a little kind of a mix of both. So I'm happy with their run. I'm very happy for the city of Atlanta. They deserve to win a title because we all know about the debacle that was the Georgia. Yeah, I was going to say, list list off all the things that Atlanta has blown. Yeah, so the Georgia Bulldogs had a significant lead at halftime over the Alabama Crimson Tide in the national championship a couple years ago. The Atlanta Braves themselves held a three games to one lead in the National League Division Series, uh, National League Championship Series over the Los Angeles Dodgers literally last year. And then they were a game away from the World Series and they blew it. They lost three straight to the Dodgers, who eventually went on to beat the Tampa Bay Rays in the World Series. Then, of course, the most famous one of them all being up 28 to three going into the fourth quarter, the Atlanta Falcons, and then Tommy Boy and the Patriots make that incredible comeback and defeat the Falcons. And you know what? It's funny. I'm pretty sure that game was in Houston. Now that I think about it, and the Braves won the World Series in Houston, where the Falcons blew the 28 to three lead to the Patriots. Oh, that game was in Houston. That's pretty funny because uh, the Super Bowl is always at a neutral site. Obviously, I would have to fact check that. I'm pretty sure it was in Houston, though. And so, regardless of where it was, the city of Atlanta they choke a lot. And it's nobody's fault. The Dodgers were the better team. Like, they won three straight. No, nobody should really be truly surprised at that. And who came back on the Falcons? Well, the guy who comes back versus everybody and is probably going to win his eighth ring come February. So 
you know, and Georgia lost to Alabama, who's like wildly considered the greatest college football program of all time during the Nick Saban yeah. era. And, and there's no doubt that the Astros are a better baseball team than the Braves. The oh, I think so too. Yeah. But the Braves, they were just, but they're better on paper. They mm-hmm. were not better and, in the postseason. No, no, no. I've said this about the Braves pretty much all playoffs. I said it when they were playing the Brewers. I think they might be a little better than the Brewers, uh, especially going into it. They were definitely hotter. Uh, but I said this when they were playing the Dodgers and then, of course, the Astros. What the Braves do is they play to their opponent, it seems. Even if they're not as good, when they're playing against a really good team, they're just going to play really good. When they're playing, if the Braves are playing against, you know, a bad team, they're, they're not going to, for some reason, they don't just blow them out of the water like they, they could. I just feel like the Braves always play to their opponent and it works. And of course, the Braves winning the World Series means one thing. RIP Houston Astros. <laughs> Honestly, respect. Respect yeah. to them. They they literally knocked out my two favorite teams. Uh <laughs> <laughs> me too. So, so I would have just been so mad if they won it all. But uh yeah, they knocked out my two favorite teams with for good reason, and that's just because they they were better. Uh Alvarez, you know, single handedly beat the Red Sox. And then I'll go ahead and say that, you know, Lance McCullers beat the White Sox. <laughs> yeah, he he did. I have a take though. And I want to know if you agree with it. And I'm being dead serious. I'm not saying this for camera. I'm being dead serious. Do you think the Astros making it to the World Series in 2021 and ultimately losing makes the cheating scandal in 2017 look worse? Some people are going to argue it makes it look better because they didn't need. No, they did need to cheat. Because. It, it, I do believe that the sign stealing only gave them like a 1% advantage, right? Not a lot. But a 1% advantage in the game of baseball could mean the difference of being the pennant winner and being the World Series champion. So I think it actually makes them look worse because it all it also makes the, the crowd that will go, well, you, you made it to the World Series without cheating. What do you need to do it for? Those people are on to something too. So I think it makes them look worse. Here's what I say. And I I pretty much agree with exactly like what I said when we first got news of them cheating. You know, we watched that 2017 run. Um, It was fun. I was rooting for them. Like no one is going to argue with me that those players on that team are skilled, talented, elite baseball players. No doubt about it. Look at what George Springer did with Toronto. And Jose Altuve. Like, like he is like these guys are just incredible baseball players. Uh, Yuli Gurriel, uh, Carlos Correa, they're great ball players who cheated. Did they need to cheat? No. They, pr- I believe that they would have won in 2017 if they didn't cheat. The fact that they got caught cheating, yes, it makes it look bad. But they were great elite baseball players who just cheated. I don't think this makes it look worse because even if they were cheating this year, I still think the Braves would have won. See, I don't know about that because what about in 2019? I see Skyler in the chat saying they're 0-3 in World Series that they didn't cheat. I actually think they're 0-2 in World Series that they didn't cheat because I believe they cheated in 2019. Jose Altuve hit that home run off of Chapman and he covered up his little shirt and said, you don't take my shirt off. I don't want my wife to see my tattoo. Dude, your wife saw your tattoo, okay? We know. Like, your wife saw your tattoo, dude. We know why you didn't want the shirt, like taken off the jersey, taken off. And I believe if Chapman's fastball 
is disguised as a slider. Altuve swings out of his ass and misses, and then the Yankees have a chance to win that game. I know you hate the Yankees, but I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, I think there was a significant advantage for the Astros. Even, like I said, it gave them a 1% advantage because you still have to know how to hit a fastball that Araldis Chapman throws to Pluto. If I knew Araldis Chapman was throwing a fastball, guess what I would do with it? I'd My jock would be hanging from the, the dugout. But... You know, you still need the freaking skills in order to do that shit. But, I mean. Your jock would be hanging from the dugout if I threw a fastball, let alone a roll. I would ball. put you on Pluto. Yeah, right. I would mean? take your pitch. And I'm thinking of, like, guaranteed Rayfield. I would put it. I'm oh, a righty. I, I would put it in the White Sox bullpen. You would, And I could probably bat lefty against you and put you, your fucking fastball in the opposing the opposing team's bullpen. No, you'd be putting it in the opposing team's dugout for how late your swing would be. That's what yeah, you would no, be doing. No shot. Yeah. And if I stood on that mound, I'd gas your ass with a nice Oh, my God. Hit. You know the Xfinity deck? That's what The people will be, like, running up there to grab my ball from There's the There's children deck. up there, man. What do you got to bring? They'll be, they'll be there with their gloves, like the little fuckers in the home run derby who can't catch. <laughs> <laughs> um, Carlos Correa is set to be a free agent. Do you think he's going to take the bag and go somewhere else, or do you think he's going to re-sign with the Houston Astros? I mean, I honestly think that this Houston Astros team has the ability and skill to be right back here next year. So, I mean, if this guy, if they can afford it, and if this guy wants to win, I would say stay in Houston. I would say that too. Everyone but already hates you. I think he's gone as fuck. Yeah, I mean, uh, I could I, see both ways. If I was an Astros fan, I'd be, I'd be like, please, please stay. But I mean, I really don't care. I mean it's uh, he's he's gonna get booed for the rest of his career all those guys are uh um, except not for as new... much though if he left you think george springer took it as much as he as much as altuve or correa or bregman i don't it, it, it depends who he goes to if he were to go to who the Astros beat the Yankees. who the Astros beat the dodgers in that world series yeah right yeah and then the yankees in the alcs Let's say let's say he goes to the Giants, for example. Every time those Giants make their way to Dodger Stadium, he's gonna get booed beyond belief. So it depends where he goes and where he plays. You know what I think is funny? All the Yankee fans want Correa now, after just despising him for the last two years. If he goes to the Yankees, I'll be livid. I'll be mad at Correa and I'll be mad at Yankee fans because yeah, the Yankees fans, those gabagoos, don't even. That's just so hypocritical. Like they, they're the, they're one of the two teams that were the most affected by the Houston Astros cheating, and like Correa was like the biggest heel of them all. Like Altuve, he gets the most booze, but he was not the biggest heel. Correa was in terms of his mouth, and it was a mix of both. The whole like the buzzer thing, like you referenced, that that kind of makes Altuve, and then yeah, his comments no, no, no. afterwards. Al, Al, Altuve's the heel for his actions. And and his comments after the buzzer thing that kind of makes him for no for I know him. but he never he never like got went to the media and said screw you man or this is all bullshit Correa did that Altuve he just straight up lied like Correa didn't lie he was like yeah kind of we cheated go fuck yourself yeah he, like he's an actual heel in the game of baseball I, I personally think it's hilarious but um. If he goes to the Yankees, that would just be so funny. The hypocrisy on both sides, both him and the fan base slash team. What are your thoughts on our pal Dusty? 
I mean, tough. Yeah, I I actually think he's, I think he's a good coach. No, oh, of course he is. I think he, he, made, I, he made some dumb bullpen decisions in his. No, days. but I think he was very entertaining in this in this playoff run. Yeah, uh, especially against the White Sox, the whole dusty like the highlights of Dusty versus La Russa. Uh, that's that shit never got old to me. I was kind of hoping those seventy two plus year olds would duke it out one last Just time <laughs> face to face. You know, <laughs> uh, imagine that both of them hobbling along out there. Yep. But um, yeah, I don't know. Is is he back next year? Or he claims he wants to be back next year. He said he, there's unfinished business in Houston. And I think there he's the perfect guy to coach that team following that scandal. Yeah, exactly. So I was just gonna say, like, I, I if I'm an Astros fan, like, he's another guy I want to come back. And even not as an Astros fan, I kind of like, aside from you know the Astros eliminating my teams, literally both of them. Um, I'm kind of on the same boat as you were, like. I don't think I hate them as much as everyone else because like for me, it's entertaining. <laughs> it's entertaining the way that they're going about, you know, this whole s- scenario, you know, four years removed from it and uh, kind of embrace- supposed to do now. Exactly. Like they, it, their sorrows or exactly. are they going to play into it now? Exactly. So the, the whole, you know, Altuve knows he's going to get booed everywhere. And and like you said, I think Dusty's like kind of the perfect coach to, to manage this group of guys after all this. So I, I want to see Dusty back in Houston. Yes. What is the future of the Houston Astros, in your opinion? Do you think they will win the NL or the AL West again next season? Or do you think they're going to take a step back? What are your thoughts? I think uh, – yeah, for sure they'll win the AL West. Um, you know, do I think they're going to go to the World Series again? Uh, maybe not, but uh, Javi disagrees, obviously. <laughs> uh, do I think they're going to go to the World Javi Series? Javi might go there. If they lose Correa? Yeah, very well, good. If they, But I don't know. I think there's so many good teams in the American League right now that to say any team is just going to go to the World Series again is you, you just can't say that. You know, I mean, look what the Braves did. You get in, you get hot, and anything can happen. Um, but I, I think they're very real contenders next year. Yeah, I kind of agree. I, I just hope for the love of God that the A's figure it out this offseason and do their little A thing where they like sign a couple guys that turn out to have like two ERAs and bat 300. Like that, that's just what the A's do. They'll find these little rinky dink freaking Walmart cashiers and then turn them into superstars, and then they'll go sign for a billion dollars somewhere else looking at you, Liam Hendricks, or Semyon, or just plenty of other guys that go to the A's on, like, the scrap heap and then turn into superstars and then get the bag somewhere else. And, you know, I could see that happening. There's also another team in the AL West that I kind of always look at. I want the Seattle Mariners to make the playoffs so bad next year. I hope they win the fucking division. I hope they take the crown. I'm being dead serious. They very well could. I mean, we saw the push by them late in this season. Uh, it was a very realistic thing that, you know, they could be in the playoffs over the Red Sox or the Yankees. And then uh, along, they were battling along with Toronto. So, yeah, if, they, if they're more consistent next year, that's kind of what they're looking for. They can't rely on this, you know, last month of the season to get red hot. So... Yep, and that's the World Series here on Crosstown Crosstalk. Um, it was a good postseason covering it with you, man. I really enjoyed uh, doing – I mean, we kind of – we gave our soliloquies to the White Sox and the Cubs already, but it's been a good year on the Chicago front, and then covering the postseason on a national scale I think has been great on the show. 
to be honest with you. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It was a lot of fun, and you know, we're excited to keep it going and then uh, get right back to it once uh, spring training begins. Yeah, and for those wondering, we're keeping Crosstown Crosstalk running all winter long. We're not canceling or we're not shutting it down. I, I don't, I got nothing better to do. So we're going to keep chucking along here, maybe talking some baseball through the offseason. The baseball talk might not be as intense throughout the offseason when there's literally nothing going on. Maybe we'll talk about our favorite baseball movies, or our favorite baseball jerseys. Maybe we'll talk about some all-time baseball moments, maybe draft an all-time great White Sox team, an all-time great Cubs team. I think that'd be kind of fun to like put those together. Like, hey, what's the greatest Cubs team of all time? If you could pick one player for each position, you put – you know, Anthony at first, Chris at third, like, you know, what do you make your rotation with Maddox and, um, you know, even someone like maybe uh, Arietta or Lester, like, you know, you just make your all time great roster. I think that'd be a lot of fun to do. So stuff like that. We'll always have our little banter about gas station snacks and road trip movies and stuff like that. So definitely going to be looking out for that kind of stuff. It's going to be a fun winter on this show beyond just baseball, but there'll be plenty of baseball flavor. A lot of um, crosstalk. We'll call it. We'll call it crosstalk. No, we'll still call it crosstalk. Cross no, talk. I know, but there's gonna be a lot of crosstalk. Oh on. yeah, there's gonna be a lot of crosstalk. 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 The MLB Players Association announced that over 160 players have been declared f- for free agency. And there's a drive to deep left field by Castellanos that will be a home run, and that will make it a four nothing ball game. There are more to come based on player options or team options for next season. The reason I threw that Castellanos thing is he opted out of his contract today with the Cincinnati Reds. He is a free agent, free to sign wherever he wants. Our friend earlier in the program, Jesse Rogers, was first to report that Kyle Schwarber will join Castellanos as one of the upcoming players to opt out of a team deal so he can be a free agent to sign wherever he wants. Both of those guys basically did that because of the fact that they had outstanding offensive seasons and they know they're going to get the bag somewhere. (laughs) Both of them are great fits for the White Sox. Both of them are good fits for the Cubs, too. Both former Cubs. And Castellanos was a Cub. Yeah, Castellanos. Okay, so listen to this. Castellanos was on the Detroit Tigers, right? And he was just a White Sox killer his entire life. But then he got traded to the Cubs, and he was their best player for the rest. It was uh, what year? They missed the playoffs in 2019, I believe. Yeah, they missed the playoffs outright in 2019. They were in a playoff spot. They traded for Castellanos, and they fell off. During that time, Castellanos was their best player. Dead serious. So I started to think, is he a White Sox killer, or does he just does something about Chicago air make him happy? And I'm starting to lean towards that. And so if I were him, sign with the White Sox or Cubs. Dude. Is he is he is he a versatile player? Where does he where is Yeah, he if home? he came to the White Sox, not very good defensively. But I would give up a little bit of defense for right field. There are positions you don't give up defense for. If they're center. a great hitter while being good defensively, mm-hmm. that's a plus. Like Luis Robert. Luis yeah. Robert is a center fielder that is also an elite hitter. But you see World Series caliber teams trade a little offense for defense. The Houston Astros' worst hitter besides their catcher was their center fielder. And then I think shortstop, it's nice to have an offensive shortstop. There are plenty of them to go around. But I think it, it's really a good plus to have them be really good at defense, too. I would say, you know, there's four positions for me that you want a guy who's probably better than average defensively. And that's center field, shortstop, catcher and third base. I agree. I, I was hoping you were going to say third base. I know you love your scoops and all that. 
and it's always nice, but I would give up a little defense for offense from mm-hmm. the first base position. The yeah, base, but a lot of the times the big power guy, you can just throw him right there at first, catch the ball, and if you pick one out of the dirt, good on you. If you have a good shortstop in third base, you shouldn't have to worry as much about that first base because that – but, I mean – I agree play... with you, but I disagree with you. The best third baseman in the world is Nolan Arenado, and if he's making his little run to the right pick out of the dirt and then he's got to turn away from his body to – um, get a throw off to first base, that shit's going to end up in the dirt. And it's on Paul yeah. Goldschmidt or whoever your first baseman is for Arenado, it's Goldschmidt to make the scoop. Plays so. like that. But then you look at a guy like Yohan Mankata, who like whenever he has all, all the time in the world, he fucking shitty throw. Yeah. But when he has no time, it's right, <laughs> it's on right, the to, right to a brace. <laughs> Unbelievable. It's like, uh, dude, just get the ball and throw it. And, you know, he's got like one of the better defensive runs saved amongst third. Like he's a top five defensive third baseman. And we're saying this shit. So we're just basically nitpicking. Yeah. But I'll, uh, while you brought up the, the Schwarber thing. And while we're talking about third base, this popped in my head. So I'll just bring it up now. Um, what do you think for the Red Sox? Obviously, Schwarber is going to be gone. The idea of finding a third baseman to play third. And with the way Rafi Devers has developed into a hitter, having him kind of take over that DH role in the Red Sox. Yeah, I don't know. It depends on if Rafi Devers is okay. I know a lot of young players hate it. They make it seem like it's something they don't want to do. I know the White Sox have a fine example of somebody who likes to DH and somebody who doesn't, and they're both young players. Andrew Vaughn does not mind playing any position you ask him to do. If you want him to fucking pitch, he'll get out there and chuck the ball even if he knows he's going to stink. He'll give it his A effort. Eloy Jimenez has stated many times he hates DHing and makes him a worse hitter. I see both sides. So if Devers is okay with it, sure. Why can't Devers play first base? Maybe. It could happen. Um, If I were the Red Sox, I would keep Devers at third, allow him to hit 30 and 100 again, deal with the the, – even the worst defensive major league players commit like an error a week. Yeah, but it always seems like the errors are costly. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. One error error like that, depending on the situation of the game, whether a runner gets on with no outs or if there's two outs and a runner gets on and that runner ends up scoring, like that can lose you a baseball game. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And timely defense is really important. Uh, It's hard to give other MLB teams four outs with a chance and expect to win. Exactly. So I get what you're saying. Um, It it all depends on Alex Cora's rapport with Devers in the offseason. You know, I, I have we talked about it on our last show. They are going to strongly evaluate the future of Xander Bogarts and Rafael Devers and see what they believe they're worth. But I don't know. Maybe they sign Anthony Rizzo. And I was going to get to that with you right now. We have an entire I have a couple of free agents that I wanted to zone in on before um, this all happened. Carlos Rodon is a free agent. Uh, to address Joe's comment, Tim Anderson had some brutal defense this year too. He did, but he also only committed like eight errors. So I, I think it's more like decision-making and shit that is more fixable to me for TA. Like, and a lot of people got on Javi for his errors, but a lot of the times the reason Javi makes these errors is because he has such good range that he puts himself in position to make errors because he's so good. So, like, I, you know, when I write my tweets making fun of comparing Anderson and Baez's errors, it's all a joke, obviously. People take it seriously and think that I think that Baez is an f- inferior defender to TA. He's not. You know, the errors thing is just a funny way to get under people's skin. But, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely something TA is aware of, though, and he's made mention of it many times, and he works on it hard. So I, I do think uh, it's definitely a good place to be in terms of at least he doesn't be like, nah, man, screw this. 
he he's interested in getting better defensively, and I do think there have been improvements year in and year out. Let's say, okay, he was he was mediocre to bad defensively this year, even though he only made like seven or eight errors. That's worlds better than what happened in 2019 when he won the batting title. He was one of the worst defensive shortstops in the league. So steady improvement is all I can really ask out of the guy. I don't think they've ever lost a game because of TA's defense. Do you agree? Yeah, no, not that I can recall. Um, Carlos Rodon, free agent. Jesse Rogers seems to think he's gone. I think he's gone. Scott Boris is his agent. Um, that sucks, but I think he's replaceable. Yeah, if I mean, it's hard to replace a guy like that. I mean, look at the first, like especially like the first half of his of the season. Like he was my guy. To, you know, you wanted him starting in Iowa. Uh, he was a lot of people's game one starter, hopefully, and. Didn't end up working that way, but I don't know. I don't know if he's, repla- he's easily replaceable as you think. No, no. Okay. I guess I worded that wrong because the guy with a two, four ERA, I think it's more, it, it's, it's risky to sign a guy like that long-term. He has yeah, shown that he's been healthy for an entire season. Um, when he's been healthy, he's been awesome. And that includes even before this season, people forget how Rodon was being, um, groomed to be the number three behind Sale and Quintana way back when. And he was quite good at it. Has he had a Tommy or no? Yes. He did? Yes. So that's where he was missing up until this year. He came back in the postseason last year and he got rocked, but his shit looked good. Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Yeah. Sometimes when guys yeah. get rocked. <laughs> okay. Sometimes when guys get rocked, you think they don't have their stuff. Rodon had his stuff, and the A's just fucking mashed it. He was getting the velocity up in the up in the high 90s, which is something we never really saw from Rodon. This is in the playoffs last year against the uh, A's. And it's like if he could just work on his command a little bit and make that fastball move just a little bit more, he's going to be a really good fucking pitcher. And then this upcoming season, he's been that. Or this past season, I guess now. It's so weird that the 2021 season is over. Yeah, so it's we're, really we're at that weird phase where you say this year. Like, or are you talking about like next the future yeah, year? No, <laughs> yeah, we're in we're in baseball purgatory right now. Yeah. Um, what about the big three from the Cubs? You can go through and give me your prediction for each one of them: Chris Bryant, Anthony Rizzo, and Javier Baez. I think two of them are going to stay with their teams. The one that's on the move is Anthony Rizzo. Interesting. Okay. I think Chris Bryant is a perfect fit in San Francisco. I think San Francisco has, you know a great chance that maybe not 106 wins next year. Cause you can't just bank on a team getting 106 wins again, but I think they have a very realistic chance to, you know, win the NL West uh, and, and make a nice playoff run. And I think Chris Bryant's a perfect fit over there. Now with the Mets, I think the Mets are, you know, clearly on the rise. Uh, he's got some buddies over there and I think, I think he kind of fit in. It took a little bit, took a few, few weeks that you guess you can say, but I think uh, with a whole season to, from start to finish, a whole spring training with the team, I think Javi fits in nicely as well. I, I just see uh, I see Tony Rizzo on the move. Don't know where to. I guess there's a lot of teams that could use a first baseman, the Red Sox being one of them with, with Kyle Schwarber. Uh, I would love to see him jump ship and go from Yankees to Red Sox and uh, get a full season with, with Boston. And I think that would, that would be ideal for me. But, yeah, I think Tony Rizzo is the only, only guy that will be on the move. I got a couple questions for you. You like Harry Potter, right? Mm-hmm. You remember the character Luna Lovegood? Yes. One time she fixes Harry Potter's glasses and he says, how do I look? Do you remember her response? 
like Harry? Yeah. No. So that was that her response? Like no, Harry? no. He says, "How do I?" She says, "How do I look?" And she goes, "Exceptionally ordinary." I think the San Francisco Giants are going to be exceptionally ordinary next season. They'll be a good team. Maybe they'll fight for a wild card. I see them as baseball's Montreal Canadiens. An older team, lots of veterans, and just next year. I'm not saying they're going to – like I think the Montreal Canadiens, for those hockey fans watching, I think they're trash. I think they're one of the five worst teams in the league. Um, And they were in the Stanley Cup final in June. So I kind of think that about the Giants. If I was Bryant, I'd leave. I could see him staying here, right? He's a good fit there. And he makes them younger, even though he's in his later 20s. I would leave. I don't know. I, I think the Giants are better than ordinary. Um, we got word yesterday year. that today Buster Posey was announcing his retirement. Yep. So we're going to talk about him in a second. Um, now let's talk about him now. Great player. I would vote for him to go to the Hall of Fame. I know it's like a hot debate on baseball. I feel like it's, it's hard for catchers, though, no? Like yeah, because well, they, they, they take last plate appearances. He's a three-time World Series champion. He's been on multiple National League uh, division title winners. Um, I'd like to look at his stats because catchers keep tabs of their own personal ERAs, like the ERAs when they're behind the plate, right? Yeah, no doubt. So I think Buster Posey had a great career. If I was Brian, I probably would leave. I think Anthony Rizzo is going to leave. People think Baez is going to stay because of the Lindor connection and having that be your – middle of the infield punch and i think it could work but i i used to think maybe Baez leaves after the thumbs down thing we've all seen it a thousand times um i i don't know i just think part of me could see all three of them moving on part of me could see all three of them staying has there ever been a player to go from the yankees to the red sox normally yeah that's happened normally i think of the red sox to the yankees of course george herman babe ruth Johnny Damon. Um, there was one other one that I had in my mind to say, and I, I guess Anthony Rizzo technically never played for the Red Sox on the major league field, but he was from their organization. And there were two other stops in San Diego and Chicago in between. But I don't know. I, I think there's one that I'm thinking of that I done a tip of my tongue. Um, Chris Bryant, I'm going to... Sp- I'm going to say they all leave except Baez. That's my prediction. So, okay, you're saying they all – I'm saying they all stay except Rizzo. Okay. I, I, so we agree on Rizzo, disagree on Bryant, agree on Baez. Um, if you were the Cubs, are there any one that sticks out that you would target or are you just kind of – I kind of agree with what Jesse said, you, you know, not being big spenders. We talked to him about this. Uh, but I, I do – he said that he would move – Contreras, I would yeah. keep Contreras and as one of those guys to build around because of how hard it is to get a catcher who is, you know, elite defensively and a little better than average. I would say he's somewhat better than average hitter as a catcher. Oh, I would for a catcher, he, he's an he elite might be, hitter. yeah, he might yeah. be for a catcher, know, he's an elite hitter. The catchers yeah, exactly. that hit better are probably Grandal and Real Muto, and that's probably and, uh, Salvador Perez. Yes, yes, yes. So Can't offensively, forget. offensively, Wilson Contreras is probably the fourth best catcher in the league. Behind so Brandel, I just think that that's Real Muto and Perez. So I just think that's such a hard position to kind of fill and, and get a guy like that back that you, for this Cubs rebuild, like 
make that your guy to build around and be that veteran on the team who's who's been there, done that. Kind of like, uh, you know, you look at the White Sox, the veteran that first comes to mind is Jose Abreu. Like, it seems like you, you need that one guy that you build around and then also bring in some some veterans. I don't know if next year, this offseason is the year to do that. Maybe play it out, see how these young guys do, see how a second year of wisdom in Schwindel do. But I would re-sign Contreras and use that as your pillar to build around. Do you think the Cubs can win a division title with Wilson Contreras on their roster, like within the next five years? It's a, I, it's, it's hard uh, to say yes. I get why it's hard to say yes because they haven't even made any subsequent moves yet to start a rebuild. But if you asked me in 2016 after the White Sox traded Sale and Eaton, do you think they will win the uh, AL Central with Jose Abreu? in his early thirties, my answer probably would have been no. Like by the time they're good enough, he might not be anymore. And that was just wrong. Like, yeah, you got it all. It all depends on how the Cubs built, if they're successful building around him, the white Sox were the Cubs were in 2012, but they didn't really keep anyone. They didn't have, it was a little different. There's there's things that make every situation different. The White Sox had a Hall of Fame pitcher in his prime to trade away. And they kind of got lucky with the Eaton and Quintana trades. To be honest with you, those trades would never happen again. But I don't know. I think they could win an NL Central title with Jose Contreras. I do. All right. I'm going to say no, but it's not for the reason of the Cubs not, you know, rebuilding quickly enough in five years or during the time that can... it's because. I just think the Brewers and maybe the Cardinals are going to be too good in that time frame. All right. So, so then gonna... why, I think that was Jesse's point then. Then like, why keep Contreras if you can get a haul for him and start a rebuild so that by the time the brew crew and the cards are falling off, the Cubs can then ascend similar to how the White Sox did it with like, yeah. by the time Cleveland falls, Minnesota is always annoying. They came in last place this year, but expect them to be just annoying little pests again next season. Once Cleveland fell, the White Sox were ready to ascend. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, maybe. But I don't know. I, I guess, like you said, and you would you have predicted the White Sox to get there as quickly as they did? Probably not. No, no. So, so not. that could happen with the – I just I'm, – I'm, if I'm a Cubs fan, I'm scared of those Brewers because I just think they're going to keep getting a little better and better. <laughs> yeah, you, that's kind of why I laugh at people who, like, rip on the way the White Sox season ended this year. This was their first real year. 2016 was – like, or 2020 was, like – 60 games like you never know they might have fallen off after 60 games in 2020 like you never know or maybe they would have ascended even further and been a higher seed like you never know what happened and after six like 2021 was the first time that they had to do a 162 game grind and come out as central division champions and so in a playoff series like a legit exactly playoff. like a legit playoff series not a three gamer like Exactly. So this was the first actual year the pandemic kind of screwed them. Now, if a CBA dispute <laughs> fucks them, oh, I'm gonna throw. I might just be like done with baseball. I'll, I'll never be done. Vinny will be, be at the uh, he'll be at the CBA agreement or or the meetings or whatever out there with a sign. He'll, he'll, no, I'll, I'll be collecting one of those torches for people selling torches. Torches, get your torches here. Yeah. Hold on. Where is it? I'm not. Torture! Get your torture! 
<laughs> That'll be Vinny. I'm the guy in the front of the fucking mic. No, Vinny's the guy fucking selling the torches. Yeah, but one for myself. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, whatever. I hate... I like business, too. Business interests me. I like hearing about people making money. I like people... I like... I like the fun part of politics. So all that shit, yeah, I'm interested to hear how the disputes go and how the discussions of labor and escrow and COVID obviously was a big issue. You like hearing, I I don't, it's hard for me to keep track of all that shit. No, I do like hearing that. Like Ozzie Guillen Jr. gave us a nice little tidbit and he doesn't seem to care if I put it out there. They are going to have like, different COVID-19 regulations next season than they had this season. And there are going to be some people that are pissed about. There are going to be some people that are happy about it. Personally, I don't give a shit. Whatever they decide, they decide. Um, You saw that complete fucking moron Aaron Rodgers lie about getting, if you don't want to get vaccinated, that's your own choice. But if you're a fucking liar about it, you're an idiot. You're putting your teammates, you're putting your teammates at risk, you know, and apparently, like, the team knew and he was wearing his mask and all that stuff. But, like, dude, you told people you were vaccinated in August and now you can't play this weekend against the Chiefs? Let me – a little off topic with baseball. I despise the Green Bay Packers. I do not like them. The only time I root for the Green Bay Packers is when they play the Dallas Cowboys. That's it. Um, I hope this weekend Jordan Love takes the field for the Green Bay Packers, throws for six touchdowns, 450 yards, no interceptions, and leads the Green Bay Packers to a win over the Kansas City Chiefs. I hope so bad that that happens. That that would be good for two reasons. One, for everything you just said with the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. And two, because I'm so out on the Chiefs. That I think they suck. I'm done with Mahomes. I think. I'm You're done, done with, with Mahomes? I, yeah, I think, sorry, my time is going on. Cheesecake time. Cheesecake time. For the love of salmon sandwiches, how unprofessional are you doing Um that? I'm that's my timer to remind everyone that Patrick Mahomes is a fraud. <laughs> Elaborate. The the Chiefs just don't they're 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 done. I don't see them, you know, being contenders anytime soon. I think they they had their run, they lost to Tom deflated them is what happened. They're not they're not going anywhere near Please the don't Super- use that word with Tom. They're <laughs> they're they're not going anywhere near the Super Bowl this year. I'd be shocked if they, you know, are better next year. I just I don't know. Patrick Mahomes has done less, more than less than impressed me this year. Barely beat the Giants by what they win by three points. So yeah, I am rooting for the Packers this week. They're I'm a fucking rooting idiot. for the Packers big time. I'm rooting against the Chiefs every single game this year because I don't think they're that good. Their offense is stalling. Once they figure it out, you're gonna look like a moron. Their no. defense stinks. We'll Their see. defense stinks. You need you kind of need that to win a what? Super Bowl. A good defense? Their defense has been trashed for most of Mahomes' career, especially last year. Their offensive line getting hurt made Mahomes have to run for his life, and that's okay. why they had no chance against the Buccaneers. Yeah, but even then when they play a good defense, the Tampa Bay Bucks defense played amazing in the Super Bowl last year, and Mahomes couldn't do shit. Because their offensive line was – they had like third stringers in. Mahomes, he couldn't run, or he couldn't make a pass. I don't know. I, His I just best think, pass was when he was parallel to the ground. I just think, you know, the interceptions this year, I just think Mahomes He's is... turned the ball over at an alarming rate. Yeah. I'm not I saying he's a shitty quarterback. I just don't think he's the, the next GOAT that everyone was saying. He's the best quarterback in the NFL based on talent. 
See, I don't know. I'm I'm not gonna co-sign that yet because I just think it's too small of a Who's sample better? size. What? It's been five years. I think Aaron Rodgers is still better right now. Eh, I don't. I don't. Yeah. I, I thought you were gonna say Lamar. Lamar well, doesn't. Is... He doesn't throw like that. But I mean, Lamar is fucking awesome. And let me tell you something about Lamar. I fucking hate when people diss Lamar. For some reason, he's got like this stigma about him because he runs so well that people think he's just going to be Michael Vick. Mike, first of all, Michael Vick was fucking awesome. That's not a, a not a disgraceful thing to say about an NFL quarterback. But he is going to get better with his throwing. They, there's a Hall of Fame coach there, and his running is so impactful that the Ravens are a really good team because of it. I mean, he won an MVP so early in his career. Do you know how hard that is? Yeah, I, I never as long said as anything. He stays healthy, Lamar is right there with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen and Tom Brady. It's funny because we're naming all these like 24-year-olds and then Tom Brady who like is 42. And there's, is, like, I think the there's number. two quarterbacks who are better than – who could might be better than Patrick Mahomes right now. Patrick Mahomes is great. I'm not saying he's a shitty quarterback. I would take him on my team any day. He's on track to be like the second best of all time. He I, is. I in his first it. three seasons, he has an MVP, two Super Bowl appearances, and a Super Bowl. Okay, and what if Kyler Murray wins the MVP this year and the Arizona Cardinals go on to win the Super Bowl? Then uh, in year I, two, could, I could make the argument that two, he had similar trajectory as Patrick Mahomes. Okay. Um, but I think it's the things Kyler Murray does aren't quite as spectacular to the eye as what Patrick Mahomes. That doesn't done. make a great quarterback. Tom Brady hasn't necessarily done anything spectacular it's, to the it's eye. It's splitting hairs. It's splitting hairs. You don't really see. I mean, Kyler Murray can make plays like this, but at a the throws that Patrick Mahomes can make are unlike, especially while on the move, are unlike anything I've ever seen. Whether it be Lamar. Or Aaron Rodgers. Like, Aaron Rodgers is the only one that's close. I've seen Aaron Rodgers make just some ridiculous throws in his career. I, I think they're on par. Even Tom Br Tom Brady's the GOAT because of his ability to win. It is his brain. But achievements make you the GOAT. Talent is simply what we're discussing right here. And Patrick Mahomes is just – it looks easy to him. When he's on his game. They have struggled so far this season. I do think it's going to get better. I don't necessarily think they're going to – they might have dug too much of a – they're 4-4 four and four right now. They're a game better than the Bears. Exactly. But, like, I mean, I, you know, it might be too little too late this season, but you never know. Do you think the Raiders are going to keep it up in that division? The Broncos think. What about uh, – uh, it's the Chargers. The Chargers, too. That, I was just going to bring him up right when right when you were done talking. I was going to bring He's him up. He's a top-five quarterback Justin now. Justin Herbert. He I, might I'm, be I'm a top-five quarterback. Right now, I'm taking Justin Herbert and Kyler Murray. Over Patrick Mahomes. I don't yeah. think I don't think ne you would actually do that if you were the GM of an NFL. Ne maybe not the I don't know. May neither of them have given me a reason to say otherwise. This is uh, Justin Herbert's second season. Last year he was the best rookie in the NFL. And he's doing it like he's doing just as good this year. Yes, I understand what you're saying, but sometimes you just watch a guy and you scout him and you just know that they're a little bit different. And to me, that's Patrick Mahomes. I don't he just cuz he plays differently. I, I honestly think it's just cuz he plays differently. You mentioned Lamar Jackson, he plays differently. He has I had the ability to bring an explosive college type to the NFL, like the Texas Tech stuff that worked so well there. And he he before this season, he didn't turn the ball over. 
And now he's finally going through a little rough patch and people are just ready to forget what they've been watching for the last four years. And I can't do that. Aaron Rodgers has had a a couple down years. In 2018, when the Bears were awesome, Rodgers kind of stunk. And then what did he do the next year? He came out and won the fucking MVP and he's been in two straight NFC title games. So, like, you can't let one little rough patch. And I'm not saying you're doing this. You can think that about Herbert and Murray. And no yeah, one's going to. I just think these guys passed him up that, because that, of that's how well fine. these. I'm telling you why I don't think that. Because I'm not ready to let eight weeks of football. And he was the number one fantasy quarterback until two weeks ago. And now he's fifth. So the last two weeks dropped him from first to fifth. Okay. And I know fantasy isn't everything. Yeah, that, I mean, fantasy the, the, fantasy the, does show get a lot of points. But it's an accumulation of yards and touchdowns. But I don't know. I'm not ready to forget the spectacular play that I've seen from Patrick Mahomes because of eight weeks of football where the Chiefs have underachieved. So that that's just my opinion. I, I know there's no right or wrong formula to reviewing how quarterbacks have played. I definitely think you're onto something with Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert. I think they're right there with Mahomes, with Lamar, and probably with Rodgers. Right? Yeah, and Rodgers I mean, and, and uh, Tom Brady. Tom, Tom. Yeah. Yeah. I would say my top, my top quarterbacks right now, Tom Brady. Uh, and it's crazy that you see, like you said, you were still saying Tom Brady. Uh, Aaron Rodgers. All these guys we're talking about are twenty four or younger. And yeah, Tom. I'm gonna. I'll keep Pat. And Rodgers. Rodgers is thirty seven. I'm not gonna. And he looks older than Tom. I'm not gonna disinclude Pat Mahomes. <laughs> well, I look um, older than Tom. And then Kyler Murray and Justin Herbert. Yeah, those are my top five. And I, I would love think... to see I, – I just really hope Justin Fields can elevate himself to that type of status one day because he showed last week that he has the tools to do so. And if if he can become like a hybrid of uh, Lamar and Mahomes or uh, – obviously maybe not as Ooh, good. Who are you talking about? Justin Fields. He oh. showed some tools. That play he made – his best play on Sunday was the second most talked about play. It kind of bugs me. There was the play where he like escaped the pressure and then like ran to his left and then ran it into the end zone for a touchdown. That to me, people are calling it the most spectacular play by a bears quarterback they've ever seen. I there's probably a little bit of recency bias to that, but I definitely think that's the second most impressive play he made. It's the most like, the run play, but the play where he scrambled and then made a throw where only Jesse James could catch it in the end zone. That to me was like, we don't see like Mitch, Mitch had the ability from time to time to escape a good pass rush and run it for 10 yards. Like fields did on that play. Mitch has the ability to do that sometimes, maybe not quite to the level of fields, but he had what Mitch couldn't do was that play where he would roll out, realize that the pressure is just too much roll to his left a little bit and then throw a dime to Jesse James in the end zone. And not only did he throw it to Jesse James, it was either Jesse James catches the ball or no one catches the ball. There was no, there was no chance for the San Francisco 49er defender to catch, to make a play on the ball. So stuff like that to me is what I want to see from fields Uh, tonight. You got the Colts and the jets. What do you think? That's boring. Is that really it? I didn't even look. Yeah. It's kind of a stinky, uh, Thursday night game I'll probably check highlights in on it and I obviously am interested in how the Colts because I thought the Colts were going to be a borderline playoff team that's the play I'm talking about right there Mm -hmm. Um, the Bruins play (laughs) yeah Um, no I'm probably going to do the I have three TVs I'm probably going to do Bruins Leafs or Bruins Red it's Bruins Red Wings right mm -hmm. shout out shout out Don Burr Bruins Red Wings in Boston 
Yes, we like Don. We we like Don Burr a little more on the hockey show because I think we both like the Red Wings more than the. I don't like the Tigers very much at all, but I do enjoy the Red Wings. Um, and the Tigers are going to be a thorn in my side for the next ten years probably. But I think I'm going to run Tampa Bay Toronto too. That's going to be a really fun game. And then there was one other one. Oh, the Battle of Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh Philly. We're talking hockey right here now. Mm-hmm. Um, because on the offseason across all over the map today. Oh, huh? that's why we're gonna be in the, we were kind of like that on bar down during the summer where we talked about a little bit of everything. I mean, remember before we had this show, we had uh Carmen DeFalco on bar down and we basically didn't talk hockey at all. Yeah, we talked a lot about the White Sox. <laughs> we talked about the White Sox and whiskey more than anything hockey. Yeah. I think we asked them, like, Are you watching the playoffs, Carm? Yeah, yeah, you know, I dabble. You know, when the, the Predators are playing the Lightning in the first round or whatever the fuck it was. like. <laughs> um, About the Thursday night football game, I'm actually going to – I think the Jets could win this game. I'm going to go with the Jets. You on the Mike White train, huh? Yeah, sure. Mike White. Um, I not main... Mike White. Well, Zach Wilson out. Yeah, I know, and I think that helps my guy. And the re- another reason why I'm, I'm going with the Jets, uh, Michael Carter – the running back had 14 targets last week, put up a juicy spot for me in fantasy. And I think they're gonna go right back to him against the, the Colts. He was on the guy who got chopped bench. Oh, he had 32 points. That guy plays him. He don't get chopped when I got chopped then. Uh, and I'm going to need that because I just lost Derrick Henry and I still got David Montgomery on my IR. So my, my running back game is just in shambles right now. So I, I'm going with the jets. I'm sticking with my guy. And I, and then honestly, the Colts uh, don't really impress me. No, and I thought they were going to be a better team going mm-hmm. into the fo- football season. Um, they they got they got the home home field on their side, but yeah. honestly, uh, it seems every single prime time game, Thursday night football, Monday night football, even some of the Sunday night games, they've just they've been shit shows. So many of the Monday night games went to overtime. Expect the unexpected in the shit shows in a good way. In a good way, yeah. Expect so like you're the- saying, watch tight, watch Titans Colts because even though it's like a b- battle of Jets two, Colts. three, and five, or yeah, whatever, I, like yeah. That's the unexpected could five happen. Lost teams. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So. And then if the Colts win, if the Colts win their four and five and the Titans lost Derrick Henry, like they, they believe they're still in this thing. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of out on the Titans. The only reason I had the Titans ever like, you know, winning some games, like it was solely off of, uh, they were playing the Colts. Weren't they playing the Colts? It was, they were Tennessee versus the Colts. And, uh, or no, was it the Bills? It was the Bills. It was the Titans versus the Bills Monday yes, Night Football. Yes, and everyone was like taking the Bills. And then, yeah, the Bills are a better team. But I'm not betting against Derrick Henry. And sure as shit, he had three touchdowns that game. Um, I was starting to think when Henry first got hurt and it was announced that he was going to miss like eight to ten weeks and maybe make it back for the playoffs. I was starting to think like the Titans, man. They 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 could tread water and maybe mm-hmm. be. They're already what six and two. So if if they're six and two and they tread water, let's say how many games are left? Six and two, eight. So that means there's nine games left. If they go five and four without Derrick Henry, or maybe even four and five and finish the season ten and six or ten and seven, you probably get in, you get Henry back, and you have a chance. But then I started looking at Tannehill's numbers with and without Derrick Henry. With Derrick they rely Henry, on Derrick Henry so much. No, but even in the passing game, it helps Tannehill. Just the mere thought 
of Derrick Henry getting the football puts fear in the eyes of defenders in ways that it allows Tannehill to be a better quarterback. I'm pretty sure he completes like 60% of his passes when Henry's on the field. And it's like in the high thirties when he's not on the field, it's a way smaller sample size without obviously because he's on the field a lot, but I still, Part of me still thinks they can tread water and get into the postseason because who's going to catch them in the division? The Colts? Maybe. That's like the hope is like for them is they could catch them. Uh, the Texans, they're out. They yeah, one one thing the they don't one thing they don't have on their side is this week's matchup. And we just talked uh, for like, what, 10 minutes about quarterbacks and we didn't even bring this guy's name up once. Number two in passing yards, Matthew Stafford. They have to go into L.A. this week. So Yeah. That's I mean, gonna be tough. That's gonna be a tough. Game. I, I would that, pick the Rams. Yeah, right? they're 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 not gonna be they're they're not. Yeah, no. Yeah, I I agree with you. And so if the Colts can really elevate their game, then maybe yeah, they could take this out. But the Jaguars stink, and then the Texans stink. So it's gonna come down to if those Titans can tread water. I do think they're gonna make it to the postseason still. And then if they get Derrick Henry back, they can win a playoff game or two. Who in the AFC is so dominant that you're like, that's the team? The Chiefs, they stink. Um, who is the – oh, the Ravens. Okay. You know, Lamar has won one playoff game. He hasn't shown up in the playoffs as much as he has – for as much love as I give Lamar. I'd like to see something from him in the postseason. And then there's a sleeper team in the AFC that you might like hearing me say. Yeah. They've yeah. been getting real hot lately and looking real nice. And that's the New England Patriots. Yeah, them, and uh, I think the schedule has kind of hurt the Chargers a little bit. I think the Chargers are way better than they've been playing the past few games just based off of who they've had to play. Yeah, and then I think the two Ohio teams have to be mentioned too. Yeah, right on cue. You see, me and Skyler, we we vibe. The two, like the Browns, they're four and four. Are you shitting me, Browns? Fucking get it together. You have one of the best rosters on paper in the NFL. You should not be four and four. Get your head out of your ass. I know there's been some injuries to Chubb and Hunt, and I'm gonna that's gonna fuck me out of my bet of them winning ten games. Mm-hmm. But I mean, whatever. I think the Bengals and the Browns are pretty good. I'm not sure what will happen to them if they make it to the postseason. The Steelers all of a sudden look like a team that want to go on a run, and they're gonna fucking pound the Bears on Monday. So they'll be five and four after winning that game. All of a sudden, after being zero and three, so. I don't know. The NFL is in a fun spot right now. We've talked about no baseball for the last twenty well, minutes. I just got. I just want one one more non baseball thing. We're gonna switch gears over to the NHL real quick. I know we had our show yesterday in our segment breaking bets. I gave some picks, and I was so close. I was so close. I, I make it clear. I said the Hawks plus one and a half. I said that for a reason. One goal game. Sure as shit, they blew the game. They should have won it, but uh, they only lost by one. So that plus one and a half hit Edmonton, you know, held their own against uh, Nashville. I kind of thought Mike Smith would return and be back for that game, but he didn't. Frankie, I will give Frankie all the credit in the world was spot on saying the Columbus Blue Jackets were going to go into Colorado and win. And sure as shit, they did in overtime. Uh, It's just it came down to Tory Krug ties it late in the game for the St. Louis Blues, but they weren't able to get it it done. I I didn't see it. The shootout. I saw the goal. I watched it. well, I, I saw the Tory Krug. I saw Tory Krug tie it. I saw that, but then I didn't watch the shootout. Um, and ultimately, the Kings held their held their ground at home. But if the 
the uh, the Blues would have won that game. I would have got every hockey pick right. Four games. That's that's impressive for the team of Frankie and I. Well, yeah, cooking meth is bad. It doesn't make necessarily make you evil. You got any response to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in the. I'm currently watching Breaking Bad. Walter White does a lot of evil things. <laughs> he's he's getting more and more evil as the show goes on. This is my second time watching it. The process of cooking crystal methamphetamine is not evil. It sure <laughs> is. It's not. If you know that people are going to ruin their life. He doesn't take care of any of that. What Gus does, what Tuco does, that's evil. No, it's not. Or yes, it is too. Yes. But you wouldn't. I don't. You know what I'm saying and you're just being ignorant. Walter White isn't doing. He's a chemist. Is Gail if, evil? If no one was going to do the meth, if no one was going to do the meth, he wouldn't cook it. He doesn't. What it's, are you even his, saying? That's out of his realm of expertise, though. He just you're an cooks. idiot. You're a he, fucking idiot. He just cooks he, it. It's evil. He, you are okay. cooking a drug for people to ruin their life over so you can make money. Walter White is evil, but not for the reason of just cooking meth. He's evil because he ran over two guys with his car and shot one of them in the head. He's he's evil. No spoilers. I won't give any further spoilers, but he does a lot dude, of evil things. Dude, if you're a meth cook and your goal, he's saying he disagrees with you. He's yeah, not I know. Saying I, 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 I know. I know. I can read. Because if you just put with Joey, it, it makes it seem like with Joe, like I'm with. Like, yeah, I you put, fucking you made you made that look like he agrees with you, and he. Doesn't I can put this a, like he, yeah, he said. I sorry in it. Sky yeah, said he said I, that to me like 20 minutes nope. ago. Sky says I got you, homie, with Joey, so he agrees with me. <laughs> That's actually a really good way to like misconstrue the comments. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah. No. When you. When you do something knowing that people could die or ruin their life over it, yeah, e- evil motive, evil motive to make money. I don't know. If you haven't watched Breaking Bad yet, be sure to watch it and then come at us with your comments. Greatest TV show of all time. Um, I never got to asking you about White Sox targets. We did Cubs targets, and then it wrote us right into football and hockey really quick. Um. <laughs> You have any thoughts on White Sox targets, really quick, before you get out of here? Um, honestly, yes, it would be nice to maybe get uh, if Zach Collins could be better or another catcher, um, a better defensive catcher, maybe. And now I they're love, not getting Barnhart because he was traded to the Tigers. I love Grandal. Uh, he's probably one of my favorite players, but I mean, you do need a better defensive catcher. Um, yeah. A second baseman. I, that's about it, though. I think they have a lot and of young field. talent. I think they have a lot of young talent to uh, where if they get one of those guys, I, I think they can manage. Yes, I agree. Gavin Sheets, Andrew Vaughn, those guys are mm-hmm. going to be in the mix. And then if you get another uh, catcher and move Grandal to your DH, and then Andrew Vaughn's in right. What's your favorite Breaking Bad episode of all time? It's actually the one I just recently watched it. Um, it is the finale of season three where there's a whole scuffle with uh, the two the two guys who, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen the show, stop listening for the next minute. Um, 
the two guys who ended up killing combo they use the little kid to kill combo jesse found out that they were working with gus they were two of gus's employees so jesse wanted to kill them with the ricin and he was about to do it with a gun because he got the ricin taken away because they had a whole meeting uh he was about to just walk up to them with a gun he pulls his gun out one of the two guys pulls their gun out and uh and then all of a sudden out of nowhere walter white with his car runs him over and it was the most intense thing i also just watched this episode the other day maybe wait it was this this is the way season three ended that's right yeah it what just I goes said, black i'm pretty sure what i said happened happened a while ago this is this I, I just watched this ending of season three too he needed to kill gail and he was on a time clock because mike had um walter white hostage because they were going to kill walter white and gail was going to take over as the chemist so jesse had to kill gail in order to hold leverage over gus to not kill walter white that oh that might be it actually this episode was so intense yeah, and Je- Jesse, ha- you could see the battle in Jesse's head. Like he hates what he's about to do here. Oh yeah. So oh, yeah. Bra- Breaking Bad is one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. It not many things got me like emotionally involved that are not sports related. It's that and it's Game of Thrones. So like those two shows are really the only shows I ever like grinded that are like dramas like that. So. Shout out to Breaking Bad. I'm sure we're going to talk about it a lot during the baseball season when we have less things to watch. Obviously, we have hockey and football still. but And I got to tell you, I've been seeing lots of red lately. You have. And it, it, just to be quick, it was, the season, it was the episode before that finale where he ran over the two guys. So that led up to that. Got it. Got it. All right. Well. You're seeing red. Is, oh, I've been seeing so much red. They lost last night by five. Um. Really the only knock on the team so far to start the season, while it sucks that they lost Patrick Williams for the regular season, um, Vucevic off to kind of a slower start. It's been a lot of DeMar DeRozan. It's been a lot of Zach Levine. It's been a lot of Lonzo Ball. If Vucevic can get going, the Bulls will be one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. So make sure you check out Bulls 101. It's the greatest Bulls podcast on planet Earth. And, you know, I think the Barroom Network has another bull show, too. I'm drawing a blank on the name of it right now. But make sure you check out all the Barroom Network's programming. Um, you got us, Bar Down with Frankie on Wednesdays at 2 o'clock. Of course, Crosstown Crosstalk, 2 o'clock every Thursday. South Burbs Hitman's taking a break for the off season, So make sure you catch the other great Monday night programming. You got Buffone 55. He, I, he, had, uh, he had Jordan on last week, our friend mm-hmm. from Pittsburgh. So she does great work. Um, obviously, the Mike North advantage. I'm, there are so many great. I'm not going to name every single one. I'd be here for an hour. Um, just make sure you subscribe to the Barroom Network on YouTube. Click the bell. Um, all the places you can find your, your podcasts, Apple, Spotify, uh, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, Twitter Live. We're all over the place. Yeah. There's no shortage of entertainment programming when it comes to the Barroom Network. Um, what's your favorite show besides ours? Um, probably for the sole reason. Like, I think I think we're gonna agree here, and we're not calling. We're not. We love them all. Yeah, we love, them. we love them all. I'm in every single one. Almost whenever I'm home, if there's one live, I'm at least in the chat. I could listen to Mike North talk all day. That, that's mine too. He's got stories for days. 
uh, his completely un- he'll be go from talking about the White Sox or the Blackhawks, and then two seconds later he'll be telling a story about you know something that happened years yeah. ago. I, so- I told I told Aldo like you, we could have Mike North like during the offseason a fair amount of time if he's interested. Um, be like talk about the White Sox. He'll tell us about the time that he like met Jerry Reinsdorf at Mario's having Italian ice <laughs> or something like that. That's just, that's just the kind of stuff that I like to hear. You know me, I like talking about uh you know the food and you know stories involved with stuff so you know why don't you enjoy this clip from mike north right here actually that i just randomly have <laughs> that's wrong clips <laughs> you said aldo, aldo joined us aldo joined us to talk about some mike north uh aldo <laughs> <laughs> Hold on a second. Where'd it go? Where's my? Oh, I know where I put it. This is your clip that you randomly found, but I uh, misplaced it. But here it is. <laughs> oh no, it's taking forever to load. <laughs> well, the, the audience uh, knows. Three, two, one. No, three. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. This is great. Everyone Don't in the chat. Three, two, one. Regardless of the mistakes that may have been made for, for someone like Stan, who's done so much for the Blackhawks and, and, and Al as well, to lose everything they care about and their livelihoods as well. It's just, I don't, I don't understand how that makes it go away. Get a piece of shit. What are you talking about? They're good people. You're a piece of shit, Taves. What's wrong with you? You know why? Because they let you last year take the whole damn year off and bat your ass. You're a company man. You're a shill. And you were the captain of this team? How many people are going to really tell you that? I'd tell it right to your fucking face. You're a punk. You're weak. If the Blackhawks were in the NBA and there was an NBA player assaulted like this, They'd lose their damn franchise. I don't want to laugh because, like, he was talking about something serious. And, you know, all you got to do is listen to the last two episodes of Bar Down to find where we stand on the whole Bradley Aldridge, that fucking asshole piece of shit. We even ripped on Taves. We ripped on Kane. We ripped on everyone just like Mike did. But I, I'm not going to lie. When he said God damn at first, I thought his bark dog just happened to bark at the exact <laughs> You're a fucking time. idiot. <laughs> and, then, and then when he barked again yeah. over the F-bomb, I was like, oh, that's added. You're like, oh, he's got a fucking active dog. <laughs> You so I was fucking pissing my pants. That oh, shit is so funny. So shout out to Mike North. He's one of our favorites. I, I know he, that's, he gets that's exactly why. Too, that's exactly why. Like even something so serious like that. Like you watch that and it's like it's intense. You see the intensity he's talking with, and, and it it's more meaningful. Like like I I would love to. I aspire to be that meaningful on the microphone as as Mike North is because you know. He he hits with you, and and that's intense shit right there that he's talking about, and it's just so entertaining to listen to. So be sure to check out the Mike North Advantage. Yes, and you know what, Joe, you're 24. Mike, no disrespect, is a lot older than 24, (laughs) 
um, you could be on that path. You could get there. Maybe. So, you know, you aspire to be like that? Go be like that. And I got to look. I, gotta look I know Mike North, he'll tell you the exact same thing I just told you. He'll believe in you. I think he gets a kick out of us. We haven't talked to him about that yet, but, you know, people, Barroom Network fans, be excited because I believe Mike North is coming on. If not next week, the week after, we're, we're going to get to know the guy. I, the first question I'm going to ask, Mike, you get a kick out of us, don't you? You think we're going to beat you with a bat because we're Italian, don't you? You know, hey, Mike, like I know you owe me my money. And you're scared to give me my money because you think I'm going to whoop your ass. But like I said the other day, <laughs> you the least intimidating guy is Vinny Free. <laughs> to you. To you. I, I don't oh, know. I, I can just, intimidate some stranger. Maybe know. not Mike North. We're not even... He probably knows from Aldo that I'm a fucking goofball that only you could hurt my feelings by like talking the wrong way about the devils. And like then you could punch me in the face because I'll be too busy crying about the fact that Jack Hughes is going to be out for five weeks. Like, you know, people who know me know that. But on the street, you don't want to mess with this face. I'll whoop that ass. Yeah. And, and we're, we're Italian. We're, we're full-blooded Italian. We're, we're not like, you know, slick our hair back. Like, you know, like there are some. Yeah, Ita- yeah, are. There are some like greaseball Italians out there. Like, that's not. We, hey. hey where's the on. fucking gabagoo? <laughs> Yeah, it's not us, but we yeah, like... we have pasta Sunday, so like, not watered down that much. Speaking of pasta, speaking of pasta, do you see my uh my little throwback Thursday today? Probably. Oh didn't. yes, on Snapchat. Snapchat, I put something on Instagram. Uh, two yes. years ago, to the date, I I was at my first ever Boston Bruins game. November fourth will always stick out to me. First time trip to Boston, I believe on, I think November 6th, we went to Fenway Pack. So that, that anniversary is coming up. But uh, it was my first trip to Boston. We saw the Bruins play the Penguins on a Monday night on November 4th. And uh, it was uh, it was great. We had uh, a Pasternak. I put a video, speaking of pasta, I put a video of Pasternak looking right at me during warmups. So expect that man to have three goals tonight versus the Detroit Red Wings. Very good. Happy anniversary to you and your trip to Boston. I got screwed out of mine thanks to that complete asshole, COVID-19. Fucking hate that prick. Um, And today was a great show. I love Jesse Rogers. I'm going to, right when we get off here, I'm going to go to the gym and probably put on David Kaplan and Jonathan Hood. And maybe, I don't know if Jesse's a guest today, but he's quite frequently a guest on there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, whenever he has a take about something, I know about it. And I'm a big fan of his. We can't thank him enough from the bottom of our hearts for coming on. Maybe we'll have him on again over the offseason. I'd like to hear what goes on at those GM meetings. And it kind of hurts my feelings to know that there's probably not going to be winter meetings. That's one of my favorite weeks of the entire year. So to have them basically canceled for two years in a row would suck ass. But who knows? Maybe by 2023, your boy will get an invite to the winter meetings. You never know where life takes you. Um, I have high hopes and high dreams. So let's aim for it. What do you think? Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. All right. Well, you got anything left for the people? You got any gas station snacks you want to let people know you're um, having this weekend? Gas station? I haven't been, have a, had a good gas station snack in a minute. What's a good snack you're looking forward to having over the weekend? Oh, we also have a special shout out to give yeah. at the end really quick. But what's a special snack you're looking forward to? Um, This weekend. Oh, for the love of salmon sandwiches. For the love of salmon sandwiches. Um. The past few hockey games I've had have been 10 p.m. 
10 30 p.m and it's kind of a new tradition of ours to go grab ice cream after the hockey games so i'm looking forward our games at se- the latest one we have this weekend 7 30 p.m on sunday ice cream shops will still be open by the time that one ends i'm looking forward to just stuffing my face with a nice big concrete mixer of wherever the fuck we decide to go of ice cream the works you know so that's maybe, my, that's maybe i'll join you for that my, yeah, that's my snack. yes you're of course you're invited Tomorrow's a very special person's birthday. Um, the woman who birthed me and Joey. What a saint for that, eh? Yeah, right? <laughs> Our mom, Lisa, thank you so much for everything that you've ever done for us. We wish you the happiest of happy birthdays. I personally cannot wait to celebrate because she's by far my favorite person to celebrate in the world. So I'm very much looking forward to tomorrow and celebrating Lisa's 28th birthday. Wait to, yeah, way to say all that shit and then just like pass it over to me. Like, how do I top that? <laughs> well, you came second. You're second most I can't just I can't just do the old Tim Allen and say, uh, and that goes double for me. <laughs> yeah, and that goes double for me. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah. Obviously, happy birthday to you, Mom. We love you. We're nothing without you, and you keep us going. So thank you, Mom, and happy birthday. And this show would be nothing without her support. Exactly. That's just a fact. Um, Skylar wishes you a happy birthday as well. I know he is very happy that you graced him with Vinny and Joey for basically his whole <laughs> life to be friends with. So that's awesome. Uh, you know, we'd add a little comedy in there at the end. So for at Joey Parisi, I'm at Vinny Parisi. Make sure you follow us both on Twitter, but follow Joey first and direct any complaints with the show towards him. Mm-hmm. I'll take care of him. Thank you for listening. <laughs>